Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It is our final stop on the alphabetical tour of the OHL, Farzi. And listen, we saved the best for last home of the legendary Antonino's Pizza. (laughs) Windsor, Ontario, the hidden gem for any pizza fan out there. You will not find better pie than Windsor, Ontario. Farzi, you can attest of how good Antonino's was when we made the pit stop in Windsor. I hate to say how long it took me to realize the greatness of Antonino's until you introduced me to it. It was post-game. You said, Farzi, we're going to Antonino's after the game. I never say no to a pie. And on the drive home, down the 401, back to Kitchener that night, well, it certainly didn't last that long, but just crushing a whole pizza like the gluttons that we are. A pizza each. It was amazing. Our guest this week, the longtime voice of the Windsor Spitfires, Steve Bell. Steve, is there is there a better pie in Windsor than Antonino's for you? Um, hey, I, I'm kind of a guy that endorses. Uh, I'm good friends with Joe uh, Cherovino, the owner of Antonino's. Uh, his mom and dad started it. And uh, although I can be swayed from time to time, when it comes to pizza, uh, I, I really am kind of uh, one of the, the endorsers or spoke. So, so I, absolutely, Antonino's. Or, and I was the guy that really started it a few years ago down here in Windsor uh, during w- when I used to work in the radio uh, on, on, on AM 800 uh, during the commercials. I was always kind of the fool that yelled, Antoninos! And it, and it caught on. But, um, yeah, usually I say nice things with uh, about Joe and never know. I'll tell you what, next time down, guys, I haven't checked the schedule. The calzones, the large calzone, that's a big boy's, uh, that's a big boy's meal. Uh, with the, the the Greek salad, that's a nice combination too. But yeah, and, and Windsor really is known. In fact, there was uh, recently, I think, a documentary. We're not we're, forget hockey, man. We're just doing pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and in Windsor, that's not a bad thing. There's a lot of great. Uh, and one of the things that separates, I think, Windsor pizza um, is the shredded pepperoni. They say as opposed to like the whole uh, pepperoni slices. But that's one of the things. But really uh, Windsor has tremendous pizza and none better than Antonino's good choice. Eric Wellwood recommended. I think it's Armando's. Is, is that yeah. one done? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was good, but it wasn't as good as Antonino's. No. Yeah. There are several, but uh, again, uh, Hey, I, you'll find out. I, I still carry a few clients uh, that I endorse and uh, we'll, we'll try to work those in during the broadcast. <laughs> well, it's funny, Beller, because it sounds like this was planned. It was not. Chris did introduce me to it on his recommendation. And I'm not just saying best pie in Windsor, okay? That's the best pizza I have eaten, and I've eaten my share. So let Joe know, unplanned, unsolicited, fantastic pizza. Absolutely. I'll get him to (laughs) tune into the podcast. He'll be happy. Bella, real quick before we get to the spits about the pizza, I had heard a rumor that Antonino's was – uh, in the process of opening a location in Toronto and was actually going to drive the dough down every other morning just to make sure that that dough stayed quality because that's the that's the thing. It's the water down there in Windsor that makes that pie so good. So they're going <laughs> to drive the dough from Windsor to Toronto. I'm just suggesting next time you're talking to Joe, if he wants Stop a kitchener location, yeah, I, I, the way. I'm open to be a franchisee. I'd add a good 200 pounds, but that's fine. It'd be worth it. Actually, uh, you know, Antonino's, when I, maybe it's a little bit to do with me, but when they start, they had the one location out on North Talbot. Now they have the uh, Tecumseh location, which is a stone's throw from uh, where I'm sitting right now. I live in Tecumseh, and they also have a location out in LaSalle, the home of the Junior B Vipers. So uh, really, there's three locations here locally now, and, and, and despite the fact that there are so many uh, great pizza spots in Windsor. Antonino's really is, uh, it's, it's really caught on. And, and again, it's not nothing new. As I said, Joe, uh, his parents started that, I think in the late 1950s on Dougal and uh, yeah, pizza wars. Uh, there's some pretty good, uh, pretty good battles down here when it comes to pizza. 
All right. The pizza podcast is still to come. But as Chris said, we got to get to the spits. And I want to start with what I think is a I don't know. I don't know what word to use specifically, but I'll just say I don't like the uh, the tweak to the rule, the change to the rule that's allowing players that played 20 plus games in the AHL during the lost OHL season to stay up there. And that's going to impact as far as I can tell, Steve, uh, Jean-Luc Foudy and the Windsor Spitfires. I think it's I think it's garbage. Hey, the, you know, the, the, he, I don't know. He's not ready, I don't think. I mean, I don't know as much as obviously the owners, the managers, everybody in charge of the Colorado Avalanche. I always felt to make the next jump, I mean, obviously, if you don't make the NHL club, I don't like the rule at all. Uh, but until you dominate, and John Foody doesn't dominate in this league. He's a fabulous skater, um, but still, the defensive side, I think he was one of the worst plus minuses on the club last year. And I, and plus, I, like you guys, I'm sure, I want the very best for the Spets. I, no, no question, I've been noted to cheer a little bit in the press box and <laughs> in the past, but uh, give me my own press box, I said then. But, uh, but no, I really, you know, obviously you want your team, in your case, the Rangers, to be successful and have the best chance to do that. And, and I really thought, boy, there's a nice little combination on a, on a number one line with the Spitz this year. John Luke Foody in the middle and uh, Will Cooley on, on the left side, who's had a great camp, I understand, with the New York Rangers uh, going up to their, uh, their big camp uh, as of tomorrow. And on the right side, take your pick, uh, you know, maybe a guy like Kyle McDonald, who's been injured a little bit, a big uh, right winger. That'd be a pretty nice uh, number one line for the Spitfires this year. But I don't like the rule either. Um, to go burn a guy a year off his contract, um, he's going to play in Fort Collins, it looks like. I talked to you, John Luke was here a week ago, skated with the Spits for a few days, and man, he looked good. He was just flying out there, you know. But still, until he can dominate in junior, the first, I'm a little bit older than you fellows, the first... The, the first junior A game, uh, I was a kid in Kincardine uh, playing, I think it was first year of Pee Wee, and, and we had a chance to play in London. Pat Reagan and Larry Reagan, they spent their summers in Kincardine. So uh, we would always have one exhibition game, and uh, it was against uh, Pat's team. Pat was a year, year and a half younger than I am. And uh, I think uh, we played at Lambeth Arena in London. They, they blow us out nine to one. Come on. Uh, London AAA against Kincardine C. But uh, that night we <laughs> We went to a, a London Knights, a snowy Sunday evening in London at the Old Gardens out off the 401. And the captain of the London Knights was a pretty good player named Daryl Sittler. <laughs> <laughs> the, first, the first junior A game I went to see, uh, a fantastic fight-filled game between the Knights and the Peets on a Sunday night in London. Daryl Sittler, the captain of the London Knights, when you can uh, – another – guy that I saw that could dominate and change the game uh, was Dale McCourt. I mean, you've had some tremendous players through Kitchener. Let these kids stay. I mean, at 19, what's the hurry? And I can see if they're they're good enough to play in the NHL, it's a free world, free society, by all means, let them walk to the big club. But to play a year in the AHL, um, I, I, I don't get it. And obviously, for selfish purposes, I mean, I talked to John Luke Foody. Do you want to ride the bus with me to Sault Ste. Marie? Or do you want to fly out of Fort Collins, Colorado to, I don't know, somewhere in California and play? So, I don't know. I don't like the rule. And the Spits are really fortunate, really fortunate that Will Cooley, uh, just because of the schedule and everything last year, only played 18 games with, uh, was it Hartford, the, the farm club, I believe, uh, with the Rangers. Had he, and he's having, I, I just read a couple of articles this afternoon. Uh, Will Cooley's had a really good camp, and he's got the frame. He's 6'3, 210 pounds. That can, I mean, John Luke Foodie's not that size at all, but uh, Will Cooley's a guy that's certainly able, I think, to play in the AHL. Had he played two more games last year in the AHL, the Spitz might have lost him as well. With Foodie potentially gone, how much of the offensive load then falls to a guy like Wyatt Johnson, an early pick for Windsor, and then he goes in the first round to Dallas, put up 30 points in 53 games as a rookie for Windsor. How much of that offensive load is going to fall onto him? It, it is, and I, I just read an article as well, and I guess he's had a really nice camp with uh, with Dallas so far, putting up uh, some numbers. Um, uh, the kid that you may have to keep an eye on is, uh, is uh, one of the number one picks, and that's uh, that's Abraham small. They list them at five ten. Next time I'm over at the WFCU Center, I'm five nine. I'm going to stand next to him and see. He looks smaller than that. 
Um, he's got a little Brad Marchand in him. Uh, you know, not that physical. I mean, but he's small. He's a pest, and he he can play. And he's a small centerman. And uh, I think you'll see him, even though he's he's just a kid. Uh, I think you're going to see him uh, at least start up in that number one line, uh, hopefully with, I would think, Will Cooley on the left side and and maybe a big uh, physical winger uh, like a Kyle McDonald on, on the right side. But uh, Russ Abraham's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll wait and see. I think they'd like to spread out the offense, but there's no question Wyatt Johnson. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest, that he, that he did go as high into the NHL draft as he did. Um, but I mean, he was a first round pick into, you know, into this league and he's a real good kid. He's one of the guys, really a teachable guy, not, you know, some kids, uh, they seem to know it all at 17, 18. He's, he's, he's a real good kid too. So, um, but he'll, he'll be counted on there. They're going to have to find, I don't think offense is going to be as much of a problem. We'll wait and see. It's always easy uh, here in September before the season starts. Adam, you guys likely do the same thing. Draw up your uh, potential lines and, and see who's going to make it. There's always a few surprises. And, and that's why we sit in the broadcast booth because a lot of things you, uh, a month from now throw out the window. We'll leave it up to guys like Mark Savard, guys that know a little bit more than, uh, than me for sure to figure it out. But I, th- I think they should be able to score some. Um, I thought the problem might be keeping it out at the other end, but we'll, we'll wait and see. You mentioned uh, Mark Savard, Beller, because obviously he's the new man behind the bench as we come out of this pandemic. What do you make of him in the early days, obviously, as a head coach? Or what do you, given your experience, think he's going to be bringing to this hockey club? Well, I think most people know that follow hockey, the OHL. I mean, there's a guy that won the OHL scoring title a couple of times. Um, ironically enough, it was a former Spitfire, Matt Cook, that kind of brought uh, his career to an end, but Cook's done that to a few people along the way. Um, there's no question, but but I think he's he's a, a guy that can uh, you know develop players and understand when they were looking. It took just a couple of weeks ago before the Spits did name a head coach. I mean, losing Trevor Latowski to go to the Montreal Canadiens as an assistant um, during the summer months. I know Jared Smith, a uh, real good guy. They bumped him up from assistant to associate coach. And I know that um, he, he's likely, like anybody, would be a little bit disappointed that, that he didn't get the, uh, the head coaching job. My understanding is that Bob Bugner, of course, a former Spitfire back-to-back Memorial Cup winner behind the bench with the Spits, still a part owner of the Spitfires with the San Jose Sharks. I think, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think Boogie, had a lot to do with, if not Mark Savard, a guy like a Mark Savard. And Boogie and Mark had played together, I believe, in Calgary uh, many years ago. But I think they really wanted to lobby for one of these guys. Uh, Mark Savard was an assistant with the St. Louis Blues a couple of years ago and apparently worked wonders with their power play. Uh, they speak very highly of him. So I, I think Bob was one of the guys that said, let's try to find one of these guys in the in the NHL that's an assistant that needs some head coaching experience somewhere and and I, I think they've likely you know it's different because of COVID we're not nearly as close as we would normally be even at training camp and uh, during interviews or just sitting around having a coffee um, just because of so many regulations and whatnot that we would normally be and so I haven't been I've been around some but not as much as I would have been in the past but but I, I think uh, I think he's going to be a real good uh, a real good fit here with them. For our listeners, Mark Savard, a future guest on this podcast coming up in just a, a week's time. Um, great chat with Mark. We'll get that out to you soon. But you mentioned that the main concern for Windsor this year will be the defensive side of the puck. The offense is there. They're going to rely on Xavier Medina in goal, uh, a rookie goaltender when we were last in the league playing. Um, but now he'll turn 20 on, in January. What did you see from a young kid like that as a goaltender? Because it is tough to come into this league as a rookie goalie. I guess, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I saw some inconsistency. Uh, you guys are likely, if you do recall, it's been so long since we, I keep saying a year ago, but it's not a year ago anymore because there was nothing last year. But uh, I think you'll likely recall the save that he made in Kitchener. I, I didn't broadcast that game, but Manny Pava, uh, who's working with me again this year, I broadcast that game a Friday night in Kitchener when uh, the highlight it made all the highlights Xavier Medina falling down and wheeling around behind to make that spectacular. But then maybe he let in a soft one or two, five minutes later. I think that's the thing that, that 
to be a, a proven number one goaltender. And he really wasn't here. It was kind of back and forth. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's no question. It's his job right now. Kyle Downey is a backup and he's, he's a kid. He was drafted as a 16 year old out of Caledon. So uh, it, it's, and I, so I'm telling you guys that I think keeping the puck out of the net might be a little bit of a problem. The Spitz play their first exhibition game up in Sarnia last Friday night. They get outshot 45, 46 to 22 and win 5-4. And Medina's the best player. So that's how much I know. I'm talking about the goaltending maybe not being that good. Uh, game's number one star was Xavier Medina, I think. And, and he was spectacular. And I think they're going to need that. I No knock on the defense. Um, there are some veteran guys back. Former Ranger uh, Grayson Ladd, um, a part of that group. It's not a, it's not a real big defense. Uh, there's well, Bronson Ride, uh, second round draft pick, six foot five, I think. So I shouldn't say they're all, but it's not that, you know, but the game's changed so much. It's not that big, tough, nasty physical defense from maybe years ago that you come near the net and you're going to get, you know, take some abuse. But the, but the game is also, as you guys know, changed a great deal. So um, they'll look for a guy like a Luca Heno. Uh, who I think is away at the Ducks camp right now. And right now they have nine, well, if you count Foodie, nine guys uh, still away at NHL camps. And seven uh, or eight of them, I believe, have already been bumped up as of today to go to the big camp. So I, I think every one of those players, however, will be back, with the exception, obviously, of Foodie. Yeah, and when you think about that then, Steve, that's a quote-unquote good problem to have, isn't it? If you've got that much talent that's getting that long of a look in the big camp or under the big tent, as Don Cameron used to say, uh, that's a, that's a good story for Windsor Spitfires fans. Yeah, you would think, hopefully they, they can bring that back. Like I said, I'd be surprised. Um, I, I, even just reading in the last day or two, some guys that are away that I thought as of today, you know, the, the rookie camps are over and they start to get ready for the, for, for the main players, if you will, the veterans to come in that I, th- I thought most of these guys would be back and they're not um, a guy, I guess, like Pasquale Zito, who is uh, with the Red Wings, I think a seventh round pick of the Red Wings. Uh, he's at their camp and I understand that the rookie camp uh, has played very well. Uh, if you had asked me a week or two ago, do you think Pasquale Zito will get, I would have said, no, I, 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 I don't, but here, here's another kid that, Missing that last year as a rookie, didn't play a whole lot. A few times ended up as a healthy scratch. The Spitz had a pretty good club a couple of years ago and a lot of veterans. So it was hard for some of these guys just to get and stay in the lineup or play maybe in the fourth line. I look for a guy like that, like a Pasquale Zito again, to step up and, and add some offense on the wing and, and a little bit. Of, he's, he's a kid that likes to get in your face a little bit too and, and bring some grit as well. So we'll wait and see, but yeah, just hopefully I'm wrong in that one. And these guys all for, for the Smith's sake uh, do, do come back. And I think they will. I think they'll all be back here again with the exception of uh, John Luke Foody. That's going to be one of the challenges with in, in our job. Anyway, I look at it because the transformation, a lot of players go from in their rookie season to that sophomore year is a massive jump. And now we're going to see people going from the rookie season to a 19-year-old and guys that would be sophomores didn't get to play the rookie season. So you're going to see players that you thought maybe you know were a third, fourth liner that are now a star in this league and, and vice versa, I think. Yeah, exactly. Like a guy like Azito, there's others, uh, Dylan Robinson. I think he's away at the LA Kings camp, a, a, a kid that again on the, on the blue line, he's a bigger defenseman um, that I expect him to be a little bit more physical this year and, and just to wait and see how they – how they all mature and you're, and you're right. It's kind of weird to go from a uh, rookie to, to almost veteran in this league, three years for a lot, you know, there's some four year players, but for the, for the most part, I think a lot of three years is, is kind of it. And for a lot of these guys to come in, you play some your first year, you miss the entire second year and all of a sudden, Hey, you're a veteran on the team. Uh, we'll wait and see. I think it's going to be an interesting season. And I know you guys are like, it's the same. I'm just, I'm just glad uh, hopefully everything goes according to plan here and we don't have any hiccups to be back. And just even to go uh, a week and a half ago, the Spits were late opening their camp, but just to walk into the facility again, to see, to be around the guys, um, you know, it, it's kind of a good feeling, hopefully that it's back. And, and, and again, everything will run smoothly. I felt that way today as we record uh, the announcement made, of course, that the St. John Sea Dogs will host the 2022 Memorial Cup 
this is just this is the news we want to hear because you know that there's the end game, the dates are set, the the location is set, and and we can think about getting through a season, having a season again. It's been so long. Yeah, it, it really has, and I, I still remember being at the WFCU Center that Thursday in which the Spitfires had the game canceled. I think it was Saginaw that was supposed to come here and and thought, you know, this will be a couple of weeks, we'll be back, and things. And a year and a half later, here we are. So, um, I, But, I, again, I think that's the same not only in hockey but in business and everywhere, uh, people working from home uh, that likely thought it'll be a temporary move, um, and we'll be here for a few weeks at home and, and still a year and a half later, moving towards before you know, it, it'll be going on towards two years and, and things still not back to normal, but at least, you know, with, with hockey, it's something I, you know, I know from a fan standpoint, um, I think, uh, we'll wait and see what's, you know, what's, you know, going to be allowed in terms of attendance once we get rolling, um, and, and, and again, just hopefully everything's smooth and, and we have no hiccups. Beller, you can't talk about the Spitfires without mentioning three Memorial Cups in nine years. And yes, you heard that correctly, our listeners, three Memorial Cups in nine years. Um, you mentioned Boogie, Bob Bugner there for two of them, Warren Reichel there for three of them. When you were going into the rink with those two on on your flanks, right, getting off that bus, did you feel like the toughest guy in the world? <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. You, you, know what, you know what the common denominator, the treasure is? Um, my, my first year in Windsor was ni- 1980. And uh, I came here in 80. That was the year that Ernie Godden uh, knocked in 87 goals. Uh, I'd moved here from Sudbury. Uh, and so quickly, after college in London, being a bit of a Knights fan, for sure, the Riggins and whatnot, going to Sudbury, uh, getting a little taste. Rob Falds was the play-by-play guy up there. I come here in 1980. Uh, took over in 86. I did a few games. 87-88, the year in which the Spitfires were by far the best team in the country the entire year and did not win the Memorial Cup. They won every single playoff game that year. The Spitz never lost a game in the playoffs. Not one. They swept every series in the OHL playoffs, uh, went to the Memorial Cup in uh, Chicoutimi, Quebec, won the first three-round Robin games easily. Well, they beat the Olympic, the Hall, uh, 5-4. Other than that, they beat Medicine Hat. They beat Drummondville. We waited around for three days and lost 7-6 to Trevor Linden and the Medicine Hat Tigers in the Memorial Cup final. So that one I remember. The common thread through the three Memorial Cup championship years, 09 in, uh, in uh, Ramuski, 10 in Brandon, 17 on home ice. I missed 10 years doing play-by-play. Mike Miller came in and did play-by-play. Millsy's here for not 10 years. They win three Memorial Cups. I do a th- 1500 games I do I don't get a sniff but Mike Miller I'll tell you what was nice enough with a minute left at the WFCU center in 17 four years ago said Beller uh you can do the last minute and I said hang on I'm gonna wait till there's about 30 seconds left my track record uh, I've got no memorial cups under my belt so with about 30 seconds left I did take the headset and uh and had a chance to call the lats so the common thread through three memorial cups in nine ten and 17 was uh, that I was not doing the games. That's <laughs> I, wild. Uh, tell you what, I don't know. So, so I'm back. The last couple of years I've been back a little bit. But um, since now I'm apparently a retiree. I think that's what they told me. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Um, I, I, I am really anxious to get back. Um, my wife's more anxious to get me out of the house, I think. And uh so, yeah, I, I am back full-time, as far as I know, and uh, looking forward to it. But, yeah, Memorial Cup's in nine. They did it the hard way, dropping the first few games, come back. And, but any, and well, when Medicine had it, defeated the Tigers in 88, that was uh, Barry Melrose, the head coach. I mentioned guys like Trevor Linden, uh, uh, Dean Chanel. They were stacked as well. Rob DeMaio was on that team. Um, that was the second consecutive win, Memorial Cup win as well, for the Tigers from Medicine Hat. The Spitfires in 09 and 10, again, built around guys like Taylor Hall and Adam Henrique. And, you know, then they added a few pieces uh, in the second go round, a tough guy like a Zach Cassian. Uh, so, I mean, and then in 17, everything just fell into place. Uh, Rocky Thompson, um, just a sensational coach. Um, he knew enough since the Spits were eliminated in that seven game series in the opening round by London. Either one of those teams, London, 
or the I mean, Erie was here as the OHL rep, you know, led by guys like DeBrinket. That was a really good honors team too. But London, again, was a solid club. The Spits lose to them. I still didn't like a penalty call. Can you imagine that, me complaining about the officials in, in the seventh game in London? But at, at any rate, the Spits were knocked out and, and sat around for five, six weeks until the Memorial Cup. But Rocky Thompson really seemed to know when to guy, get the guys at the rink and do not give them the day off, go, go to the movies or something. And another day when to really work them. And they also got healthy, like a guy like a Logan Stanley, they had some nicks and bruises along the way and some injuries. And, you know, a lot of people say you backed in and you won the Memorial cup in your own bill. Oh, I don't know. The Smiths played four games and won them all. I don't know. Is that backing in? It's not their fault that the, the way it was set up the way it was, but, uh, but that was a good team too with, you know, again, uh, Jeremy Brocko, another former Ranger, that had a little bit of everything. And I think to win, especially to win a Memorial Cup, you have to have a bit of – you need skill, you need goaltending, you need toughness, you need all of, all of the, those things uh, to, be, to be successful and do it all. Yeah, those are Bro- some, uh, Brocko and then, in, uh, I don't know whether it was 9 or 10, Shutron Timmons, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> those are the Kitchener connections Popey's yeah. uh, praising right there. Uh, those are some – Great stories by themselves, Steve. We call this podcast OHL Stories, and we figure that a guy like you over four decades plus in this game might have one or two he'd be willing to share with us on the pod. Oh, geez. There, there's so many. I, I mean, when you think about it, I, I, I think the one of them that comes to mind is uh, j- during the Memorial Cup run in 87, 88, and again, it, it, they swept every single series, and it looked like it was going to be easy. That team led by the likes of Adam Graves and Darren Shannon and Daryl, Sh- Mike Wolak. Um, uh, that was just a fantastic team. They, they had it all. They were really tough. I mean, back in the days when you had to have a lot of toughness as well, but uh, one that comes to mind uh, because back then there was like nowadays, every game is on TV. I mean, back then there was, you know, the, the OHL game of the week with global or whatever, uh, my old pal, Dave Quinn or Jack Miller, some of those guys, but um, even at the Memorial Cup, the only game that was televised uh, in 87, 88 was the final, the Memorial Cup final of Saturday afternoon. And I was doing the play-by-play and the Spitfire score a minute in, two minutes in, and I think it might have been Mike Wolak that scored middle of the opening period and it's three, nothing Spitfires and the championship game against the Medicine Hat Tigers. And I said something to the effect that, Back in Windsor, fans, a couple of hours from now, we may be having the biggest party ever. The Spitfires lead it three to nothing. And it was three, two after one. Glenn Featherstone took a, a minor in front of the net in a 10 minute misconduct. Pat Jablonski, the goaltender, likely played maybe the only game that he didn't play well the entire season. I don't think the Spitfires ever came close to allowing seven in a game. Uh, they And with about 15 seconds left in the game, and the Spitfires down 7-6. I could barely get it out. The Spitfires coming in over the line, offside. And the face-off will come outside the blue line. And I knew then the final, it, it was like a, going from the greatest party to a funeral of your best friend. And to go, I thought, hey, I owe it to them. They To not only go into our room with the tears, but to go into the medicine hat dressing room after and shake the hands of all the players um barry melrose the coach um that that one comes to mind uh, so that was my my first full year doing play-by-play i thought hey this is great go to the memorial cup then we go through some dry years after that but there's so many you know the stories i mean here i mean you guys must the barn not the wfcu center the barn in windsor it's come you, up many times yeah that was my you next question there, you come in there on a thursday night and uh, maybe there, there's no alcohol permitted inside the bill. Seriously? <laughs> in the corner, you know, uh, it was a route. It was the old, maybe a Olympia Boston garden. Hey, the fans are right on top of you. Uh, I remember going to a game prior to doing play by play. I was helping Dave Quinn to the play by play. This might've been 1983. I'm guessing. I think Todd Gill, I know Todd Gill was involved. Uh, the former Maple Leaf. Uh, I come into the game. It's like an hour before. No linesman back in the day. Eh? No linesman. It's warm up. And the London Knights. And I take a look, and here comes Todd Gill and a bunch of the guys coming off. They've got their their shirts 
their jerseys are off, their shoulder pads. They have a 20 on 20 brawl with the London Knights. There's nobody there. So I, I go up to the booth and Dave Quinn and I put us on the right. What now? We're going on. We want to go on right now. Folks, if you're out there, you're thinking of coming to the Spitz game tonight. We just had an absolute Donnybrook, as Quinter would say, a pure sixer, a pure six brawl. It, guys are cut, bleeding, sticks and gloves. No lines, nobody out there. And so if you couldn't sell some tickets in the next half hour to get down to the game, the next night in London, you go in, I think there's one tripping minor. You know, nothing. But, uh, I mean, the Jeff Kugel incident and... People thought that Kubel had lost it. Jeff Kugel didn't lose it. He was what six foot seven, two hundred and sixty-five pounds. After after he threw a couple of punches here and there, he he, he showboated around. If Jeff Kugel at that size had lost it, he could have gone over to the Owen Sound attack bench, started grabbing players. He, he just Jeff Kugel loved pro wrestling. The w, that's all he, he, he sit on the bus and Coops would tell me, "Dollar, wouldn't that be the greatest thing to be in?" Uh, he wasn't a real tough guy. He, the day that he found out that he was booted out of the league, he had tears rolling down his face. Like he, he's a gentle soul, but he was a big guy and kind of knew his role. I better get out. The guy that started that fight was Sean Avery. Sean Avery was chirping and cross-checking and elbowing every spitfire in the face. And finally, uh, I think it was Jeff Martin you know, to take the draw. And sure enough, Sean Avery, as I think everybody knows, <laughs> would stir it up a little bit. His stick would come up and hit somebody. So Joey Sewell of the Spitfire said, I'll, I'll take the draw against him. And immediately Sewell and Avery start. And once that, it was, I think Mark Rideout caught somebody coming over the blue line. And once it was on, it was on. And then Kugel came off the bench. And I, I think it was more that I think the commissioner, Dave Branch, thought it was making a mockery of the game, you know, the way it got out of hand. But then again, you think back to guys like Ty Domi putting on the heavyweight belt and shooting off the guy, you know, it was one of those things. I'm not advocating that. And I'm glad that that's not a part of the game anymore, but you ask for stories and uh, on an ugly note, uh, one that, uh, you know, the, the Akeem Alou, Steve Downey incidents, um, you know, and obviously in, in just not tolerable at any time, uh, let alone nowadays. I don't think you, I think the, the coaches, the players, everybody's so much more well-educated now in what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, but certainly that was a black eye um, you know, during the Spitfires, uh, the Akima Lucy Downey incident for sure. Bellard, before we let you go, um, I think we make it a point every time we're in Windsor to just comment on the great job the Spitfires organization has done in remembering Mickey Renault, the 18 behind the net still. I just, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it, to be honest. Um, what was it like around the team uh, during Mickey's passing? It was really tough. I mean, uh, so many of the players, a guy like Ryan Baldwin immediately went and uh, Baldy's a real tough guy and had got a big tattoo of, of Mickey on his arm. Uh, Mickey lived a block from where I'm sitting right now here, just the other side of Lacoste Park. I see Mickey's dad almost every day or two. Uh, his, his dad looks like he, Mark was a really great guy and a good hockey player. He's always either rollerblading or biking or running. I see them all the time. Um, it really was tough. I mean, this, and people thought was it, no, it was a heart condition. Mickey was squeaky clean. I mean, uh, he, I, I still always remember getting on the bus and just seeing that big grin of his. He was a great team guy. He was a local guy, a guy that if you said, Hey, I'd like that to be my son, you'd be proud um, of just, and, and they've never forgotten that they still, they play here every year. On, and it was family day. He wore 18 February the 18th on the, it's, it's just, you know, crazy, the whole situation, but the spits still make it a, no matter if it's a Tuesday night and they, and usually have somebody close by a Sarnia, Flint, somebody uh, come in and, and still do play on that night. But uh, you know, what, what a tragedy and what a great young man to, to, you know, to lose his life at that age. Chris and I had the chance to sit in the office of the uh, former general manager in Windsor. Goes by the nickname Bundy. Warren Reichel is the interview we're about to play. I, yeah, you must at least, I mean, that man is a presence, Beller. There, there must be a time that you remember vividly around Bundy. 
Oh yeah, especially I mean up up in the up in the press box, and I'm bad enough. And and the one thing I, I think that doing play by play that I've uh, you know when I was away from the game from play by play for ten years, and I come home and my wife would say, uh, "How was the refing?" It was fine, I guess. I don't. I didn't even notice. And during the game, I would get caught up in it, and and that was the biggest fault that I had had uh, during during my my time doing play-by-play was criticizing the officials. They have, they have a tough job to do. There's no question. Um, that's the one thing I tried to tell myself when I come back, cut a little bit of slack with, you know, with the officials, they're going to make bad calls. I I'm not perfect. I'm sure I called bad games at times or misplays. So I think that was one, but, uh, but when I think of Bundy, I, I, there, there was no off. I mean, you can see Warren up in the booth or something, and almost having a heart attack, and he's a pretty big fella. They don't call him Bundy because he's a, a rail <laughs> and uh, <laughs> King, King Kong Bundy, but he'd get fired up. But I tell you what, again, that's a, a passionate guy. Uh, I remember seeing Warren in the press box at Joe Louis Arena prior to the Spitfires buying the, the hockey club from Steve Riolo and the original kind of ownership group of Bob Bugner, uh, Peter Dobrich, a good friend of theirs. And, uh, and Warren Reichel. And they said, Beller, don't wait. Don't worry. It's just going to take a little bit of time, but we are going to turn this around. We're going to buy the team. Uh, we'll get a new bill. And, and I think that was part of the getting the new building as well that, you know, to make it work. Um, you, you can't make it work in, in the old facility. Um, and I thought that's going to be really neat one day to sit there at a Spitfire game and, and see people actually having a drink legally. Legally. <laughs> legally. legally. Up, up in a suite or sitting there, I'm like, wow, you know, I don't have to sneak it in anymore. It is one of the best barns on the circuit. That is it for sure. sure. Is. It sure um, is. And hey, just keep in mind, both you guys on the refs this year, they've, no matter how bad of a job they do, they're doing a better job than Joe West did in Tampa Bay this week. So wow. that's, uh, that's a little shout out to our Jays fans. Yeah, <laughs> Bella, we're going to do this and, and make an episode uh, full with you. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks very much for joining hey, us. Any anytime, guys. And uh, next time you're down, uh, we'll get that Antonino's pie for you, man. On the house. I love it. Farzi, just real quick. Our guest this week, former Sudbury Wolf, Guelph Plater, Ottawa 67, and Kitchener Ranger. Over 1,400 penalty minutes in his career in the National Hockey League in just over 400 games. He knew what he was put out there to do, and he did it quite well. It was a privilege to sit down with Warren Reichel. First thing I want to ask you is because the London Knights get all of the press in this league, and I think, well, for some good reason, but it's uh, OHL championships can back-to-back-to-back-to-back, but I, I see three Memorial Cups in nine seasons here in Windsor. Are the Windsor Spitfires the OHL dynasty? Oh, I don't know. I hope we're uh, brought up in the in the conversation for sure. Um, you know, I like to think that uh, you know we had some good teams. Obviously, the Super Team in uh, 2010 that you guys know very well, and 09 was a great story with the Mickey Reno and with Mickey Reno's situation. But yeah, to build it last year after all the sanctions and all our picks were gone, it's a pretty special one too. It felt different, but it was pretty good, especially with the 40 days off and our team coming together. I think Rocky and Trevor and Jared did a heck of a job behind the bench, and that was real good too, especially in our rink but uh, to get back to it yeah that'd be great if people got, put us in the conversation uh, we like our teams we put together and we want to be recognized as uh, one of the best franchises you know and we look at Kitchener we looked at London when Bob and I bought the team and we try to uh, emulate some of the stuff both teams do so it's it's been it's been a good ride time flies it sure does if, if 2010 was the super team, looking at the roster, I don't know what you call last year's team because that was that was pretty deep. Yeah, <laughs> we had you know what we uh, we got some help and uh, obviously the big trade was Kitchener and you know I'll never forget that. I have a great relationship with Murray Hubert's excellent uh, uh, general manager. Obviously stepped down now, but um, it was a good trade. I mean that's what good trading partners are for. But we had a whole bunch of it was Misfit Island for a while there. We had a lot of guys that thought they were better than they were and they had to get in their place and. Rocky did a good job of bringing them together, especially during that long, long layoff. How difficult is it, Warren, to build it to build teams like this in this league? Because you got the cycle; you're always going through the cycle, yeah. but you keep coming back to the top. How how difficult is that? Well, I think it's difficult. I think I might have an advantage on some other guys because I own the team with my partners and I make the decisions. So, like right now, 
you know, I want to think if, you know, we're a pretty good situation. We had the fourth, fourth best winning percentage in the league here, um, you know, two days ago. And it's all because of, you know, Mikey and Luchuk and getting Brown back. But, you know, we got to think of the future. I mean, I'm thinking of 2020 already and 19. you got to do that. But uh, when people ask that question, you, if you're going to go for it, you got to strip it down. You can't go half in. You know, you can't buy the pool pool without the diving board and the hot tub. you got to get everything. You can't leave anything untouched. And, uh, you know, I look back, and those 4D we had last year were pretty good. And, you know, Sergachev, Stan... Chatfield, who had a great camp in Vancouver, and uh, and Sean Day, who was phenomenal too. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But if you go, you gotta go, and, and you gotta deal with the pain. That's what some fans, tough fans, like Kitchen Ranger fans, are tough, smart fans. Wins are tough, smart fans. They don't like it, but you gotta, you know, put the Hanos and the Steoses out against Kitchener's top line. That that's how they learn, right? It's painful now for pleasure later. You mentioned recently that obviously with Bugner gone and then Rocky leaving too, you also got a few conversations with NHL clubs. What kept you here? Well, I live five miles in the rink. I got a pretty good gig. I hire my own people. I love my staff. I, I love the uh, uh, culture of junior hockey. Um, you know, all our money's tied up here, right? And, the, you know, if, you, if, if I left, you know, it was bad enough Boogie left and I was here, thank you know, to run everything, but... If I left, it'd be hard to see who would run it. Like I don't know who would, not to I don't know who would run it as clean as we did, right? But uh, you know, there'll, there'll be an opportunity. You got to pick the right place. Um, you you want to go to a place where you have a say. I just don't want to be a scout sitting there sending my reports on Monday. I want to be in the fire. I want to be stoking the fire and making decisions. So you got to be careful what you wish for. Some teams, this real simple, are not good organizations even at that level and you got to watch where you you wish to go you know and you got to have friends around you and and people that you trust you know and uh yeah there's a couple opportunities but I, i'm sure there'll be more and maybe the right one you know it's it's good i'm getting 50 it's 50 now i've been in this league 10 years and it's been great but it's okay i live five miles and it, it's pretty good you talk about that uh, stoking those fires i know how competitive you are yeah. can you compare in any way uh stanley cup versus memorial cup yeah, it's pretty good. It's 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 Memorial Cup's hard because you go through, you know, all the playoffs. And as a player, you're up and down emotionally, same as a manager. But um, that extra step in the Memorial Cup that week is so. You guys been through it in Kitchener. It's so uh, heart wrenching, like day to day, period to period. It's tough, but uh, the feeling's definitely the same when you win. It's uh, wow, jubilation. It's it's awesome, and uh, I keep. That's what. You know, Stanley Cup, I want a Turner Cup. I'm lucky to know three of these. I, I, You just want to keep getting that feeling back. You don't want to be ordinary. But in this league, like you said, it cycles. you got to strip it down. And they were both awesome, especially in our building. I'm happy our fans got to see it. And we envisioned it. We bought the team to have that event here. It was pretty cool. Did you ever wear all five rings at once? No, I think I put on a little weight. They don't fit on <laughs> fit on my hands now. But, no, they're tucked away in a safe for the grandkids one day. But... Uh, you know it's good. It's it's just you gotta have a vision and, and strip it down and and it's hard love with these kids sometimes. You know it's a lot different. You guys know Mike, especially you've been around a long time. That uh, the kids are different now, a lot different. You can't have uh, you know a Bert Templeton, a, a Mike Keenan. Let's see, there's a trade right now. <laughs> but uh, you can't have a Keenan a Templeton uh, situation. Where you're yelling at kids it's much more it's different and you know i tell kids why well, play in the ohl when there's no shields and are you, like they can't believe that let alone can't believe you had two fights when like these kids don't know right but it's different culture it's good our league's safe um do i miss some of the um uh physical play yes but you don't want your kid to get hurt and my, you know my son went through it he had a concussion in america league it, it hurts and you guys had a devastating concussion, uh, you know, to your defenseman there. So you don't want anybody to get hurt. we got to look out for our kids and the assets, and, um, you know, it's a great league. I wanted to ask about that because, obviously, you're known for being that hard-nosed player. And as I look over your shoulder here, is that you and Probert up there? Yeah, that's, yeah. The, yeah, that's the best part of the picture. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still standing. Yeah. <laughs> he snapped it at the right time. Two seconds later, it wasn't so good. You, you had to earn everything along the way, Warren. What, what was it like for you? Playing, knowing you had to play that way, you went undrafted in the NHL, and this is the, this is what you did. Always looking over your shoulder, and every day was a new day that you had to be ready. 
Um, you know, as an undrafted player in a third, fourth liner, you have to bring it every day. And there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You would simply, if you can't do it, they get somebody else. You know, and uh, luckily I had some good coaches along the way, and I, I, you know, program myself to be that hard guy to play against and take everything for granted. You know, I played five years in the minors and. Every day in that NHL, and I saw the pregame meals and the flights and the per diem and the money. I thank, I count my blessings for sure. And you know, I've told my son the same thing. He, he's in the minors in American League right now, but he's going to play. And I said every every day you're there, you appreciate it. You look around and appreciate it. You know, and it's a good life. And met so many people. My two sons are born there. It's been good. But it's same as now as a manager, you got to put the work in. You. You know, there's no secrets in the Ontario League. There's uh, good scouting. There's hard work. Um, even last five years, it, it's ramped up. And, you know, I see us, you know, with the Kitcheners, with the Londons, is, is the best, you know, best organizations in the league. And it's good when you have kids that want to come here, NHL GMs that call and want their kids here, um, agents, and you have their reputation. And uh, it's huge. Coaching's everything, right? And we've had good coaches here, too. More so in your day, I think, when you played, the third and fourth line guys really made the life easier for the top two line guys. Uh, two guys that you played with going to the Hockey Hall of Fame this this uh, weekend, I guess. Yeah. Um, is it pretty? What were those guys like to play with? And is it cool seeing those guys get that accomplishment? Awesome. You know, I'm really happy I watch the news on Sportsnet like we all do, and having coffee in the morning. And like Paul and Timo are great guys. They, I went to Anaheim after I won the Cup in '96 uh, to Anaheim, and it was basically. Everyone play even. Let these guys score a goal. Let's win two to one. Let's win three to two. And it was almost like that. Ron Wilson was the coach, and we were all dragging, all knuckle dragging, all over the place, blocking shots and scrapping. And you know, lo and behold, Timo or Paul would score a goal. Uh, you know, in the uh, in a second or third. But Paul's had a little bit exit from the game. I think he was a little bitter with the Ducks, and he had some problems there. But I'm glad to see him back, smiling and happy and. Uh, just a great guy, great hockey player, great guy for sure. Solani, greatest too. He's good. I never seen a guy eat that much in my life. Come on. See, yeah, it's like three steaks. We'd go on a road trip, a rookie party or some night, two days off. He'd eat two steaks, and Korea would actually have to tell him to stop eating. Like he, <laughs> I have seen a lot of guys eat big meals. This guy ate more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. But uh, great guy. <laughs> was the the cup in 96 with Colorado did that help I, i'm looking at you again up there in the la jersey 93 final versus montreal i'm i'm going to take my chances and ask about that stick measurement but how long did it take you to get over something like that it changed the complexion of a series on something like that yeah you know what i was still i was you know i, I was young and full of piss and vinegar still and you know don't worry you know we'll be back here next year we didn't make playoffs next year and I, I was too young and naive to know that, hey, this NHL is so hard, right? We didn't even make playoffs next year. But, um, yeah, the stick measurement, we were up one nothing with a minute left. They scored six on four to Jardin at all three. That was tough. I think if we had 2 nothing go back, I think we'd have a pretty good crack at it. But I was fortunate to get traded to an unbelievable team that just started in Colorado, the Nordiques there. Wow, was that a, what a hockey team that was. And but very fortunate uh, to get there. But a lot of good memories along the way. But you think you're going to go back all the time. And I remember Wayne Gretzky came in. They scored to tie it up. And he was first off the ice. I was right behind him. And he whipped his stick against the wall. He never shows emotion. And then I go, you know, I was like, don't worry about it. We're going to win in overtime. First shift they win. Like, you know, first shift, Jordan scores. So he knew right there. Well, I was just too young and naive to understand that. Man, that that was our chance right there, and that's really the truth where where it lies. You, you mentioned Gretzky as a young guy being on the same team as the greatest ever. What what was that like? He's great. He's awesome, and just I just what he did for my family is vacations, and you know he'd bring the shoe guy in the room, then the car guy would be there, then the suit guy would be there, and he just treated everyone good. Like he flew my dad from Windsor, he picked up his dad in Brantford on his plane private jet then pick my dad up for his retirement you know we check in a hotel we never see a bill it was crazy he's just a great guy and he's he's the greatest guy not even talking about how good a hockey player he was you know he just wants to sit there and have a couple beers and have some chicken wings and talk about hockey and that's what's cool about him that's what's really cool about him you mentioned the name boogie before as of course the nickname for bob boogner how'd you get bundy <laughs> oh that came a long time ago jim playfair in the minors and 
the ritual was to shave your head back then. So I got my head shaved, and I was carrying a few extra pounds. So the guys nicknamed me King Kong Bundy. So <laughs> you know the old wrestler there, but now Bundy just stuck for short. So it's been, geez, that's what's that, nineteen eighty eight maybe? So. It's been a long time, but it's stuck, and I'm fine with it, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> We're all over the place, but I have to go back to the Bob Probert thing. I'm a huge Red Wings fan. I have no problem saying it. Yeah, and Wings great. being from Southwestern Ontario, <laughs> you dropped the gloves with the Bob Probert. What's going through your mind? Just get it. Yeah, I did. We were, on, we we're losing, I think, 6-1, to one, and I said all my buddies, right? I said, I might as well say I did it, right? But <laughs> it was a good picture. The picture doesn't serve the fight well. He, he cleaned me up. Even in his book, he says, I think I got the best of Warren here. It was pretty good. That was nicely said about him. But yeah, Red Wings was great. And best story about Probert, when you remember the rematch, you guys remember the rematch you had against Crowder? Yes. And then DJ Smith had confirmation that night, grade 8 confirmation. His dad, they missed it just to go watch the fight. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Windsor. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just some of the guys from Windsor. It's just crazy stories, right? Like, DJ, nope, sorry, son. No confirmation. We're going to uh, we're gonna watch the second, the battle. We know you got to go. Uh, what, is, what did it mean to you, Warren, to be able to come back here uh, to Windsor, take over ownership of this team, build this franchise the way you have? It's great. Um, it's a dream come true. A lot of guys buy their franchises, buy franchises, but in different cities they're going to move. My wife's from here. My dad lives three miles. I live five. My daughter works at the, con- the concession stand. Like it's it's pretty good. Very fortunate. Um, you know, to get the new arena was huge too. As you know, it wasn't that fun over at the other place. But um, <laughs> we started from scrap. We we got handed nothing from the old owner Riolo, and uh, I actually gave you guys a. Remember, I gave you American defenseman before I even bought the team. After we signed the papers, and Steve Biankowski came in. He goes, "By the way, you owe me that player," and we on. <laughs> He doesn't forget. Who was it? Bertuzzo. Bertuzzo. Yeah, that's right. Bertuzzo, yeah. That first year was really tough. We only had 18 wins, but uh, we got tougher than, you know, Hall Ellis and then, uh, you know, Henrik and... It was good. It went good after that. But we started from scratch, and yeah, it's proud to own your own franchise. And it's it's tough. It's tough business now, you know, on and off the ice. It's uh, it's tough business. It's big business, and you got to be you got to do your work for sure. And lastly, just real quick, as we came in here, we had the Pearl Jam going. I look at the wall, and I see that's a picture signed Eddie Vedder. Oh yeah, yeah, he's good. I, so my friend Brian Noon, I played with, and it knows Chelios really well, and Chelios is good friends with him. So we've hung out a couple times, and. Uh, it's pretty good. I love their shows. There's tickets all over. I love them, and I always have a plan. It's my good luck thing before the game to calm me down. So you calm cool. down? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Actually, you know what? If you rewind, re- rewind it five years ago, I was I was pretty high strung, but now <laughs> turned fifty, so I'm a little better. Three and nine. Till, do till, that uh, yeah. Till, yeah. Till we get a five on three against Kitchen and the master and scores. Right. Warren, thanks for the time. Cheers, really guys. appreciate it. Cheers. Always Cheers. a pleasure. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. He had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.